Welcome to Simplifying Life with Kashira. So today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Carol Benins. Correct me, Carol, if I'm pronouncing your surname incorrectly. It was perfect. Lovely. Perfect. So uh, she is a certified professional in helping people navigate from grief to gratitude. I mean, that's something really massive and inspirational she's doing. I will not disclose much about her. I will let her talk about it. And before I pass on the screen to her, I'd like to tell you today in this conversation, we are going to uncomplicate another aspect of life and make it more simple. On that note, Carol, would you like to take the stage and talk more about what you do and what inspired you to get on this journey? Hi, Kashira. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I don't think anybody ever grows up thinking I'll be a grief coach. It's not something we think about. I was a physical therapist for 36 years, but five years ago, uh, my husband Brian died and I obviously had my own grief to deal with and I didn't deal with it very well. I thought I did, but I'm very English and, you know, I kept calm and I carried on and stiff up a lip and I went back to work very quickly after his funeral, three days after his funeral. And to do that and look after patients with chronic pain, I had to push my own feelings down because obviously I had to be present with those people. And I would come home absolutely exhausted. I had I had no idea about the physicality of grief, to be honest, about the heart pain, about the aches and pains, um, about the brain fog. And I think until you're in grief, you don't really know. You think you understand. You're caring to other people, you're empathetic, but you don't realize how challenging it is. And so I went on my own grief journey. And after a year of really sitting on the sofa, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm pretty young. I don't want to spend the rest of my life like this. I have to make a decision. What am I gonna to do to move forwards? How am I going to start living life again? Yeah. And I hired coaches and I did courses and and actually I still didn't come to the grief coaching part. I came to, I'm going to be a pain coach because that's what I do every day. I thought that would be great. But it was exhausting because I was dealing with pain during the day and evening coaching people. Then I moved on to, I think I'll, I think I'll coach midlife women because they want to find their joy. Really, that was me trying to find my joy. And I said sort of in a, in a very throwaway comment to someone, I think I'll end up being a grief coach. And sure enough, I ended up doing some courses, a grief to gratitude certification uh, and a grief educator certification with David Kessler, who's one of the world-renowned grief educators. And I've landed where I need to be to help people move through their grief because it's very challenging. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't know what to say to people. Yeah. We sort of push it under the mat. We expect people to get back to normal as soon as they can. Like, I know here in Ontario, where I live in Canada, you get five to eight days bereavement leave, but you get six to 12 months for a baby. Well, mm -hmm. in five to eight days, you've barely organized a funeral. Yeah. Your head is not right. How can we expect people to go back to work and behave and function normally? You're not. And so... Really, as a coach, what I want to do is to support people on this journey and to sort of allay some of the misconceptions about grief. It just takes time. Yeah. Well, it doesn't just take time. It takes grief work as well. So there's lots to unpack with grief because we don't talk about it as a society. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I so much agree with you. 
and I'm so sorry about Brian. May his soul rest in Thank peace. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you. Carol, I've already said, but I want to say it again. Hats off to you that uh, you you went through a grief, but you take you have taken that as an opportunity to help out other people. And I think not everybody shows that kind of courage to come out, put themselves out there, and you know say that okay, you know what, I'm I'm there for you. Yeah, and I think part of that is because we don't support grief. Yeah, part of that is because people, A, don't know what to expect, they don't know what's normal, um, other people don't know how to support people in grief, they don't know what to say. I can remember one of the things that used to annoy me the most, in, and it's what we all do, we say, hey, how are you today, Kashira? Yeah. People would say, how are you? And I'd think, how do you think I am? I'm dying, I'm, I'm, I feel awful, but we, People just say that. That's the sort of thing that we say to our friends. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. But to a griever, it can really just hit home that I'm not doing well and we're very sensitive. Yeah. And you can think, how can they not know? Well, because they don't know. And as a griever, you almost have to give grace to those around you because they haven't experienced it. They didn't know. Yeah. And so that, you know, how do we start to show our emotions and be honest about our grief rather than saying, yeah, I'm fine. Actually, you know what? I'm really hurting. Yeah. And I think the other thing is you have to pick who you tell and who supports you because some people are going to say, you know, not come on, aren't you over that yet? Somebody said that to me at six months, you know, are you over your grief yet? And I said, uh, no. <laughs> No, I wasn't. And I don't think one gets over grief. And I think that's another thing we talk about is we move through it. And we almost, as Alan Wolfelt, who's another grief um, educator, says, you know, you have to make it your friend, befriend it, because it's going to travel along with you. Yeah. yeah. And so how do, we, how do we learn to allow grief to be in our lives without it being the master of our lives, without it defining our every moment? Because initially it does. Yeah. Everything is about that loss, about now what? The fear of moving forward. Yeah. How is my life going to be? And you and I were just talking beforehand. Grief isn't always just the death of someone. Yes. yes. Grief is really defined as a significant loss. So I want to make sure that people understand that. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a divorce. It could be moving yes. country. It can be loss of a pet, loss of a parent, mm -hmm. loss of quality of life. I mean, I was a physical therapist with people who had chronic pain. That's a significant loss to them when they can no longer go to their work or do the recreational facility, you know, activities that they did. Absolutely. That impacts them. That's a grief. And we don't acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. Very right. And uh, I think on that note, I am going to show some courage to share my yeah. grief with you. This is something I yeah. have never ever spoken to anyone, Carol, but this is going to be out there because I really want okay. people to understand and to normalize this stigma. And please understand yeah. that this is very important to face your own grief, to say it, to feel yes. that confidence in saying that I'm not happy, you know, I'm sad, yeah. I need time. Or instead yeah. of, for example, when it comes to corporate, a lot of us works in offices and then we give some X, Y, Z reason, but we don't say it confidently that I'm sad and I need leaves, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, coming back to my story, so decades ago, yeah. 
I had uh, been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Ah. Yeah. So for people mm-hmm. who do not know, this is a chronic pain in uh, bones and it can even happen to people in very young age. Usually there's a stigma that people in old age, they get those arthritis and osteoporosis, all these problems. So osteoporosis is another kind of arthritis. So when you go through this problem, it is extreme stiffness of joints and all the kinds of body joints. Even your shoulders will get stiff, your fingers, your joints, your knees, everything will get stiff. And I reached to a stage wherein it was next to impossible for me to even get up from my bed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and now you can imagine yeah. I was bedridden and I was like even much younger than I am right now. It was decades ago. And I was working all by myself in a different city. My parents were far and I didn't want to tell them over the phone that I'm not uh-huh. doing well because I was scared that they'll call me back, you know, because yes. I told them yeah. I want to be on my own. I want to stand on my own. Independent. Uh, independent. Yes, you rightly said. And I was, I just didn't want to disappoint them. Whenever they used to call me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm very happy. All's fine. But I was going through something really massive. To the extent that one day, all my, so we were sharing a flat, all my friends, they went for a job yep. and I could not get up. I had a job, uh, my office was calling up, I couldn't get up and I was just lying down. I had to go to washroom, I was crawling. And uh, that was such a great situation that somehow I managed to reach the balcony and I was like, I'm going to end it now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was that bad. And, uh, and, and so... I mean, that, that's a really profound thing yeah. to be so embarrassed or ashamed yeah. and scared to share yeah. that. Yeah. How, um, did you, how did you manage that? How did you work through that? Because you're here now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I feel really blessed. I really feel that I have been God's child. He's always looked after me, though I had been in a really difficult situation. But somehow I could figure out right doctors who could uh, understood exactly what what is the problem and how they can heal it and stuff. So somehow the medication and everything started working. So it was like I was reaching out to doctors even before I reached out to the person uh, whose medication started working on me. Uh, Earlier, the doctors were not able to understand what's happening. They were trying some XYZ stuff. They were only aggravating the issue. But uh, how it is, it's said that, you know, when things have to work, everything starts falling in place together. So it was like I was so desperate to heal myself and do something because I've always been highly ambitious. I really had big dreams and wanted to do big things. So maybe the world, the universe conspired to heal me. I mean, that's how I feel about it, because that gives me a lot of positivity. So I reached out to the doctor who understood where exactly is the problem. He did few treatments and medications and stuff. And then I started healing. So that was a stage where I was like really getting into the pit. And then I slowly started rising. And uh, yeah, so I'm sitting in front of you right now. And uh, I'm able to share that story. So, Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, And I think that's really important for people to understand with regards to grief. It's a big grief when you're lying there bedridden thinking... Yes. I'm young. What about the rest of my life? Yeah. Oh my gosh, am I going to be able to walk again? It's a really scary prospect. Yeah. 
And the thing is, it's about that reaching out for support, isn't it? And I think with an illness, we sort of know that we might need to call a doctor, but with grief, there's this big stigma yeah. of, well, I should be doing better by now. I should be fine, you know. And there's no timeline, guys. I really want to tell you this. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a year and done. We don't get to a year and go, good, okay, I'm better now. That's not how it works. Grief depends on so much more. The way you experience it is... How long were you in, if we're talking about a relationship, how long were you with them? Yeah. Was it a good relationship? Mm -hmm. Were they your soulmate? What's your health like? Did you previously suffer from depression or anxiety? Mm -hmm. What's your culture like? Is it like an English culture where you keep calm and carry on and a stiff upper lip? Is it more Mediterranean where you have an outpouring and yeah. it's okay to outpour that grief, which is so good? So all of these things layer upon layer about how we deal with our grief. Yeah. And so two of us may lose a husband. Mm -hmm. One of us in a year is feeling not bad. And the other one at five years is still struggling. Yeah. And, and the average time for people to get over a significant loss, do you have any idea what it is before I tell you? No. Between five and eight years. Oh, my God. Right? That's a huge number. Now I'm at five years and I will tell you that I was shocked that it really wasn't until four years that I started to feel a bit like me again. Yeah. And it, at three years, I pushed myself until I burned out. And then it's like, oh, now I need to make some changes. And that's when I made the big change. Um, but the timeline, it you know, and we get these grief bursts, and a grief burst is where for some reason that grief just washes over you like a wave, and you think, well, where did that come from? And sometimes it comes from nowhere, and it can shock you. Other times it's from maybe the scent of somebody's aftershave or perfume, or you go to a familiar place, and you all of a sudden get hit with this, oh, and it, it washes over you. But And they can still happen years down the road. It still happens, less often, less severe. So grief is something that if we can understand it and if we allow it, I think that is, that's my message. We do actually have to feel it to heal it. Yeah, absolutely. That's where we struggle, right? Because yeah. we, we always want to be strong. And I'm going to give a shout out to men here in particular. That, you know, in my generation, men weren't supposed to cry. They're supposed to be strong and mm. masculine. And then the next generation is, well, get in touch with your feminine side. And I think men really struggle with grief because they don't want to show their yeah, emotions. They don't show up, yes. They feel it might be vulnerable or weak. Yeah. And so they push it down. And it can be very isolating for them to reach out. Women tend to chat to their friends and, and, and will share much more, I think, than men. And so I think men it can be really challenging so if you are a man and watching this reach out reach out to somebody that you can talk to yes anybody reach out but particularly men don't be ashamed yeah absolutely and i think that is a very important point carol which you have brought up that mm. uh, there are certain rules certain uh, stigmas which we carry on since ages like for example i don't know who created this notion that men cannot cry or you know I know yeah and that has been going on since generation after generation and I think yeah. this is high time 
that we need to take control of our decision making our lives and say it is absolutely okay this is my rule okay this is my rule that i will cry this is my rule i will say i'm not okay all of those things so yeah yeah and for all the people who are watching i really want to say it out the traditions whatever rules you've been told please understand somebody like you has created them there is no hard line that this is to be followed like that you are far more yeah. better in making judgments and making decisions than the people who created it i mean you are in this century so please make your own decisions make your own traditions and live your life the way you feel you should instead of getting bounded by what everybody else is telling you yeah. that's what happens but but you know i want to come back to emotions because yeah. it it is something that we tend to tend to push down and when we push them down what happens you can't you can delay you can avoid it's okay to avoid for a little bit and sometimes we have to avoid the grief because it's so overwhelming you need to take a break take a walk read a book watch something on tv but what you don't want to do is try and numb them out because they will come back and bite you in the bum yeah. so you do have to you have to allow it you have to feel it and yes it's uncomfortable it is yeah. and yet we need to, we need to do that to process it but the other thing is that when you get support when we start to open up this conversation people can see that we can still have a life after grief yeah there is hope there is hope for still doing things and we can sometimes it it re- causes us to look inside yeah. what are our strengths and you know i am just about to publish a book of grief poetry Oh, I've wow. never written a poem in my life. It just came pouring out of me. Started this year, well, just last year, and I started writing poetry. And really, what it was was my processing my feelings. Yeah. And so it's exciting. So there are things, you know. Now I'm a grief coach. Well, I never thought that would happen. So of course I would rather have my husband back. Of course that goes without saying. And and there can still be growth after grief. Yeah. If you allow it. But but you have to be an active participant in your grief journey. I think that's the thing where we go wrong when you know time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. You have you can't stand back. You do have to make little baby step decisions to to look forwards and not always be looking backwards at the loss, but end up looking backwards with gratitude. Yeah. I think that's that's what we want to do. Gratitude for what was, gratitude for what we have now. one of the most important healing things i think is gratitude for life in the present moment absolutely absolutely i totally agree with that carol on that note yeah. i have a question running in my mind yep so we say that uh, we should feel confident in telling people that i'm not okay and i'm feeling disappointed or i'm feeling sad and you know like yeah outpouring your real emotions and real feelings but sometimes you know when people are in corporate world there you may not have the leverage of that kind of time frame to settle with your griefs or they will just come up and get your replacement and which you may not like right people who are yeah. highly ambitious they may not like that phase so they may want to hide their emotions and show that you know what i'm okay yeah it took me some time but i'm feeling all good uh, because they want to retain their position wherever they're working yeah so yeah what will be your advice on it that if somebody especially you know as you said that somebody loses their significant half somebody loses their partner 
how can they actually show their grief or should they not show their grief how should they really deal with this situation i think i think it's very difficult at work for people yeah. depending on the work environment and i think maybe the best thing is to have somebody outside of work where can you can really share your grief that's one thing because our grief has to be witnessed and heard can't shove it down so that can be done outside of the corporate structure mm -hmm. but we also have to educate the corporate structure don't we that you know is there somebody in human resources off do you have a manager that you can speak to and mm -hmm. say listen mm -hmm. I love my job I'm wanting to be this but you know here's the thing with grief some days I'm not going to be quite as on the ball or feeling is good yeah. and you know is there some flexibility for me to take a walk at lunchtime or this or is there one person at work that you can talk openly to but you need someone somewhere where you can talk to so that you can say oh my gosh I'm managing at work I'm holding it together but wow this is really hard this is you know I the exhaustion yeah. I, I really, I have to talk about that physicality. I think it's a shock for people to not be able to get off the sofa or to not be able to think straight. And we're expecting people to go back to a corporate job and make big decisions or decisions with figures. I think your manager really does need to know that perhaps you're not in the best place for that. But you would have to do that really on an individual basis. Yeah. What What's the admin or the man managerial team like or human resources do they have an extended employee plan where you can go and talk to somebody how can you have your grief heard and witnessed so that you can cope can you go back part-time can you take some time off work and I know that's hard in high-powered jobs yeah. there isn't an easy answer yeah. because we're not set up for grief absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yes. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, very right. And you rightly pointed out that actually corporates also need to uh, make themselves more aware of these things and they should take more uh, actions towards making sure that people are feeling comforted and they get their time to grieve or come out of whatever uh, situations they've been through. Having said that, mm -hmm. I will have to agree with many people because I'm sure people are going to get this question in their head. There are so many startups coming up in the market yeah. okay yeah. and uh, this thing which we just pointed out could be a high possibility with settled businesses but when it comes to new companies coming up they really want everything to be done in one day you know they want to build a crown in one day that is the hardcore reality which i have seen here yep. in india and yep. there the only option we people are left with is if you're not able to cope up mentally better just take time off just let the job go and figure out something else so that is the hardcore reality but I think on that note Carol I'm sure you'll also agree I can tell people is that uh, do not worry about uh, your jobs and stuff what is more important for you is your health whether it's your mental health or your physical health you have to take the control jobs will keep coming and keep going if your employer is not conscious enough to understand what you're going through it's better you leave them behind. It is, and that's the idealistic view, isn't it? That would yeah. be the ideal thing you, that you can say, you know what, you don't understand me, I'm leaving. But the reality is people still have to pay bills. Yes. And yes. so, you know, have mortgages to pay, have children to fund through school or university. Yes. And so you're caught in this, oh my gosh, I need to go back to work 
but I know I'm not ready for work. Yes. Can I let go of my work? Can I even find another job? And even if you find another job, you may not be ready for that other job. And I think this is the real challenge. Yes. Like I said, you know, if you get six months off for a baby and a week off for bereavement yeah. leave, and some people don't even get that. Yes, and yeah. I can, you know, studying with David Kessler, he says acute grief is about two years. That's a long time. Now, I'm not saying you need two years off work. I was back at work three days after the funeral. Not a smart thing, I have to say. But I did, I did it and I pushed through, but I ended up burning out. You see, so it doesn't work. You know, you, you, it's like, but it's a really, really hard thing. And I think you do have to try and have the courage to talk to people, talk yes. to people that you're working with and say, listen, this is hard. Yeah. How can, is there a way around it? How can you support me so that I can continue? But you're right, in startups where, you know, you might have some young, very, you know, aggressively ambitious people wanting to do stuff, they haven't got time for you if you're not at 100%. Absolutely. There isn't a good answer for that. They're probably not going to be understanding. But you can still tell them. Absolutely, you can still yeah. Tell them. Like, do your because part, say it out, yeah. You, you, you can tell them because who knows when they're going to experience grief and then they may look back and go, oh, <laughs> yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really challenging with work. It, it is, and that's where we. That's why this is so beautiful. As we open up conversations, people who are in positions of managerial areas and corporate may listen to it and go, "Gosh, do we have anything? Do we have any support? Do we have counselors, coaches? What do we have that we can support our people? Yeah. Do we have um, work where we can say, you know, you can have." Hours that aren't full time right now until you can get that modified hours. That's the word I was looking for. So, there are things that we can start to discuss to help support people, whether that's an illness or grief. Yeah, yeah. The one thing which I have really felt very strongly so, yeah. if, if I'm sad for something, it could be, you know, even a very lame reason, but yeah, I feel sad about it. And if I have at least one person who I can confide in. And I know if I can just vent out, maybe most of the times I'm not looking for solutions. And uh, yes. I can just reach out to that person that, hey, you know what, I'm not really feeling good today. Okay, what's up? What's happening? You know, just share out as real as you're feeling in your heart. So having that one person from your entire uh, lots and lots of friends, if you really have that one confidant, it makes a lot of difference in life. Having said that, there's one more thing I'd like to add. Even to have that yeah. one person in this social media era, it's very challenging. You know, there are there are people who do not have even that one person to tell them what they don't. Grief. Yeah, they don't. Uh, that's true. Uh, and I see it in Facebook groups a lot. People say, you know, I don't have a friend. I don't have anyone. Yeah. And so when we're talking about sitting with emotions, uh, sadness, for example, one of the things that I will do with clients is something called RAIN, and it's from Tara Brack, who's a big mindfulness expert. And it's recognize the, recognize the feeling. So, oh, my gosh, I'm sad. You can do this by yourself. Accept and acknowledge it. Wow, yeah, I'm feeling sad. I investigate it. Where am I feeling that in my body? Gosh, I feel it in my heart. 
and sit with that and just say, let it be. Just don't try and push the sadness away. Just go, oh, wow, I'm feeling it. That's where I'm feeling it. It feels tight. It feels hot. It feels warm. It feels red. Whatever it feels like. And then nurture. How would you nurture that? Maybe just by putting your hand there, by giving yourself a self-hug. So if you don't have somebody, you can certainly start to work on that type of thing for yourself. That's where a coach comes in because we have Zoom. We have this ability now to help people all over the world. I'm in Canada, you're in India. So if you don't have that friend, if you don't have someone, that's where you reach out for help from a professional or somebody, you know, a coach, a counselor, maybe a religious leader, somebody, but you do need to, you do need support. Your grief needs to be heard and witnessed Yeah. and supported. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. You, you've spoken about gratitude and yeah. how it can be so helpful in navigating yeah. from the sad life, from grief to mm-hmm. gratitude to a happy life. So yeah. I want to ask you, Carol, what do you think that what are some practical strategies or some kind of exercise, something which people can do it in their daily lives to practice gratitude and understand yeah. how important this part of life is to be to show yeah. gratitude? Oh, there's so many ways. I mean, you know, you can have a gratitude diary. So every mm-hmm. night before I go to bed, mm-hmm. I write several things down that I'm grateful for. And it's not the same thing every night. So yeah. I can't say I'm grateful for my children every day. That's mm-hmm. not fair. And it can be little things. It can be, I'm so grateful for my morning coffee. I'm grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful for my warm bed. You can start doing that. But there's a really beautiful practice called taking in the good. And this is from Dr. Rick Hansen. Mm-hmm. For example, if I'm going for a walk and I see a beautiful rose, rather than walk past and go, oh, isn't that nice? I stop, I smell it, I feel the petals, I take in the good, I take in the whole experience, expand it for maybe 20 seconds and be grateful for it. It's a beautiful practice because it changes our brain. The more we start to look for things to be grateful for, funnily enough, the more things we find. Whereas our brains are wired for negativity to protect us and we look for threats and all of that. But if we start looking for things like, oh, wow, isn't that beautiful? Look at that. Or look at the smile on the cashier at the shop. Or look at my beautiful food or I'm grateful for. What can you appreciate? A bird, a squirrel, a chipmunk, a flower, Mm -hmm. anything. Find any small thing. The other thing that's kind of a fun thing you could do is get a little rock, put it in your pocket. Every time you put your hand in your pocket, it's called a gratitude rock. And you touch it, you think, oh, what am I grateful for? Uh As a little reminder. Yes. But but it is a conscious thing to do, and that is taking an active part in your healing. And it makes you feel better when you're in gratitude You're in the present moment thinking about what you're grateful for and you're not thinking about, oh, my loss. You're thinking about what you're appreciating and it gives you a reprieve and it starts to change the way you feel. It's really, really powerful. That is where I would start. I did it every day. I had a gratitude diary and honestly, some days it was hard. 
What am I grateful for? Not feeling too grateful after my husband's died. Okay, find a little thing. I don't care. And I made myself do it. Yeah, yeah. And why? Why are you grateful? That's the other thing. Don't just write it. Feel why you're grateful for it because that makes it more powerful. Yeah, yeah. And once you actually get it into a practice, uh, you being conscious about it that, okay, I have to find something to be grateful for. When you start being conscious yeah. for this particular thing, it starts bringing in more reasons to show gratitude for. It, it does. Yeah. It, it really, does. I mean, it really does. Yes. It really, actually, you know, Kishira, I do it morning and evening. So in the morning, I write five things I'm grateful for now, five things I'm going to be grateful for. Yeah. And at night, I write things I was grateful for in the day and wins, things that went well. And wins that I plan to have tomorrow. So I, you know, I work at that. Yeah, that's absolutely. work, yes. and yet it's a joyful work because it's all things I'm grateful for. Yeah, yeah, so true. And uh, you know, I have met so many people, uh, especially people who are going through some tough situations in life. Yeah, uh, they say uh, it's not working. Uh, you know, wh why should I be thankful for? As you just said that when you lose somebody, you find no reasons to show gratitude. You just in that hopeless, sad situation, unable to come out of it or see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's difficult. And it is. I guess this it is. is. Yeah, this is what Carol and I have been talking that it is difficult, but it's not impossible to come out of it. It's not impossible to see that bleak light which is shining outside the tunnel. You have to show little courage to prove to yourself that you can do it. It's a choice. It, it, it's you a know, choice. Uh, another thing David Kessler said is, you know, you have to grieve fully yes. so that you can live fully. Absolutely. And I think that's so true. So that's where we grieve all our emotions. Of course you're sad. Of course. Of course your life is going to be different. It will not be the same. You will not be the same. Doesn't mean you have to stay stuck there. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways to look at it is that if you choose to start living your life you're actually honoring your loved one by moving ahead rather than dishonoring them. I think that's the greatest honor because you still have the life to live. Yes. So as hard as it is, it is a bit of a choice to say, you know what? I still feel pain. I still feel sad. I still feel depressed. And I'm going to find something I'm grateful for, for, for today. And I'm going to figure out how to move forward little by little. I'm not talking in a week might take you years but you just you do need to decide yeah. to move forward yes. and it's hard it, it is hard yes yes it is hard agreed and uh, gratitude is something which universe loves I, it does it does okay and this is something we all need to understand whatever situation we're in, whatever things may be going through in our life, you know, maybe Carol has a lot of things to worry. I have a lot of things to worry in our lives. But as Carol said, it is a choice. What you want to choose, what side you want to see. The ultimate goal is that you should be able to keep yourself happy. Figure out ways to do that. And you can always find tons of reasons to show gratitude. And trust me when I say that universe loves it, as many thank yous you're going to pass to the universe, it is going to bring back 10 times multiplied happiness and prosperity to your life. This is how 
the universe works i think this is how a lot of people who are well versed in manifestation techniques they talk about that you have to show that positivity you have to pass on that positivity to the universe for it to bring it back to you yeah it's true if we talk about it in the manifestation yes. terms you're talking about vibration right yes. so we know when you wake up and you stub your toe on the bed you think ah stub my toe and then you're in a bad mood and you go down and you spill coffee on your white shirt and you get stuck in a traffic jam and you're late for work and you're in a bad mood that's a low vibration whereas if you wake up and you feel good and you feel rested and you pull the curtains and the sun's there and you're grateful and you have a good breakfast and you go shopping and the cashier smiles at you you'll feel you're at a different level yes. and it, it seems that when we're in that more negative way we sort of attract that negativity back to us and yet when you smile at a cashier and say hey how was your day sometimes they're so stunned that you actually take that time to say how are you today mm-hmm. and then this it makes their day and those are the little things that boost your own because we know when you're nice to somebody they feel good you feel good and anybody watching feels good so that vibrational thing of actually what goes around comes around starting to be grateful you're going to find so much more coming back to you to be grateful for i think it's powerful it is super powerful and it will definitely get you multiplied by hundreds and thousands just keep practicing the gratitude and see how your life changes for good changes for super good can i ask you if you could share some final advice some strategies for all the viewers who are going to watch you watch us that how number one how we've talked about so many hows what all things practically they can actually implement in life maybe if we have to say if we want to take away three practical strategies from carol as a professional that what are those three strategies which you'd like to pass on uh, to our viewers I I think find somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh I wish yes. I had done that sooner. Yes. I think that's important. Yes. Find the right support network in your friend group or work group, people that will just go for a walk with you, that can sit with you, that mm-hmm. are not going to judge you because remember your grief doesn't need fixing, it needs to be gone through. And I think be kind to yourself. Yes. Take self-care really really seriously. If you're tired, rest. If you don't feel like going out, just say to somebody, "Listen, I'd love to, but I'm tired. Can I have a rain check?" Because you don't want them to stop asking you. Yes. Can I have a rain check? And and actually, my, I think it was my sister told me this, who had also lost her husband, and she said, "You know," she said to somebody, "Keep asking me. At one point, I'm going to say yes." And I think that's really good because sometimes people go, "Well, I've asked her ten times; she yeah. doesn't want to go out." Yeah. Maybe the eleventh time. I'm ready. So if it's a good friend saying, you know what? I just don't feel like it, but please keep asking. One of these days I will say yes. So I think it's find find support, speak to somebody, get a good group of people around you if you can that are non-judgmental and look after yourself physically, mentally, do some mindfulness, some meditation, some breath work, go for walks, get into nature and rest. It's a physical thing you need rest as well and time. I don't know if that I could keep going with how much you have to do but I think that's I think really taking care of yourself is very important mentally emotionally. Yes, you you said it all and this is so invaluable let me tell you and this is something we should be really grateful for that there are so many ways 
to try and find happiness, to try and come out of the grief we are going through, come out of the disappointments we are stuck in. So as Karen said yeah. that there are endless things and she can keep talking about it the entire day and you should actually think that you're so lucky people that you actually have those endless opportunities to try and get more happiness, get more smile on your face. So this is wonderful. And I have to say this has been one of the most wonderful conversations with you. So it has been really valuable and I thoroughly love the conversation and I am very much sure that our viewers are going to gain some inspiration and these practical strategies you have shared to get on with their own journey from grief to gratitude and uh, thank you the, yes, thank you for the opportunity thank you so much it has been absolute pleasure speaking to you and uh, uh, let's see whenever our paths can cross again in the future it would be wonderful i to hope see. So. i hope so kashira thank you so much